What is the latest news in the Detroit Pistons head coaching search? We're going to talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed with GameTime. Coming up later on in the podcast, we'll talk about uh, my final big board of for the next few weeks. You guys will figure out why in just a moment. Uh, and then also, I've seen some Pistons fans talking about trading some of the bigs uh, lately. We'll talk about that, what that could possibly mean for the team Um but to start off, we're going to be talking about the latest on the head coaching search. And before we even get into that, I got to let you guys know. So I haven't had a podcast for the last few days. And for a lot of you guys who follow me on Twitter and a lot of you guys who have been following the podcast for a minute, you guys know that my wife is having uh, brain surgery. And with all that going on, with all the, it's been very, very stressful. It's been very, very um, tough. And I just haven't had the energy or the, the, the want to record the podcast and talk Pistons because I've had more, more important priorities going on and taking care of her. So that's why I haven't been recording a podcast the last few days. Um, and when you guys listen to this, by the time you guys listen to this podcast, she will be um, having surgery at that moment. So um, the plan is I will be back next week um, after she's able to come home from the hospital and we can get her set up and she can be all comfortable and she feels a little better. So I'll be able to come back and start recording again next week. So that's the plan right now. I apologize. You guys haven't gotten any episodes lately, but I, I have some stuff going on and I do plan on returning full time next week um, but this is the final episode you guys will be getting for a week so i'm sorry about that but i appreciate all of you guys who have reached out and said such kind things too i appreciate all you guys but enough of all of that now um, let's get into the latest on the detroit pistons coaching search so again i'm recording this on uh, may 29th and the detroit pistons still do not have a head coach at one point it was we'd see a head coach before the lottery then it was well we'll find out the, the head coach after the lottery it's now been a few weeks since the lottery, still no idea who the coach is. It, it's, it, and there's been so many ups and downs and so many different turns that this coaching search has taken. We thought we had the three finalists in Charles Lee, Kevin Ollie, and Jaron Collins. They met with Tom Gores. Then it would sound like we got some reports saying maybe Gores wasn't too big of a fan of those guys. Then potentially the Pistons go after Monty Williams, who was fired by the Phoenix Suns. Turns out Monty Williams may not want to coach this year. Then the Pistons go back to their three guys. Now it doesn't even sound like they have three guys. The latest we got on that is that it's just Kevin Ali and Charles Lee who will be meeting. They might have met with them already this week, but we'll be meeting again with Tom Gores. That was another one of the latest reports we got. And as of a few hours ago when I'm recording this, there's a Bleacher Report article now saying, quote, Pistons may not have abandoned all hope in Monty Williams becoming their head coach. Um... Like I said a few minutes ago, according to reports, Monty Williams was really considering just sitting out this year. Um, but apparently there's some within the Pistons that are hoping that he doesn't sit out the year and they can still get him to join the team 
um, and become their next head coach. And with that, all I can say is that the Pistons head coaching search right now is just like it's all over the place. I really don't get what I get what's going on, but it's just it's it's all over the place, man. Because to me, if if Tom Gores really liked the candidates that were being brought to him, they would not be still holding out hope for Monty Williams. So that has, that says to me this, and this is not me telling you guys something I know. This is me just purely speculation based off the things we've been told. If Tom Gores liked the guys that were being interviewed or sent to him, Kevin Ollie, Charles Lee, the Pistons wouldn't, after already finding out that Monty Williams probably isn't interested and wants to sit out the year, they, they wouldn't still be holding out hope for Monty Williams. They would just go with their guys they're interviewing. So that, that tells me that Tom Gores must not be a big fan of them. And then if Tom Gores isn't a big fan of them, now it gives me two other questions. One, is Tom Gores getting too involved as an owner in basketball stuff? Or are these candidates really not that good? And Tom Gores may be giving everyone a solid here. Like, maybe Tom Gores is coming to the rescue here. What is it about these guys? Why is Tom Gores... Why does it seem like Tom Gores isn't interested in these candidates? Is it about the candidates themselves? Or is it about what the candidates themselves bring with the vision for next year? I know we've talked about a lot on the podcast that if they go with a younger head coach, a first-time head coach, it sounds like maybe they go more development route next year. They don't try to take a big step forward. They're still trying to develop guys and do it organically. Is Tom Gores against that? Is that why it seems like he may not be too interested in these guys? Is that why they're still holding out hope for a Monty Williams, who is a veteran coach, who has coached the team to the finals, who has been a coach for a while in the NBA? And hopefully, if you sign a guy like that, you're bringing him in not to lose. You're bringing him in to help take this team to the next level. Is that why they're weighing out Monty Williams? Who knows? I don't know what's going on with this coaching search. It, it's been it, it's been crazy. It's been all over the place. And at this point, I think I said this on the last podcast we recorded, but I'm still of the same thought. And this and this Bleacher Report article co- continues to confirm it. Um, give me just one moment. Where was it? Um, oh, reports according to Mark Stein, who was formerly at ESPN. You guys know who Mark Stein is, uh, NBA reporter. He says that by all accounts, Kevin Ali has been pushed for the post by general manager Troy Weaver. There's been multiple reports now saying that Kevin Ali is who Troy Weaver wants. So again, that brings up the question, if it's very clear to everybody that Kevin Ali is the guy that Troy Weaver wants, why is Kevin Ali not the guy? Well, somebody must not be a fan of him. Some people must not be too big fans. Tom Gores must not be thrilled with Kevin Ali. There may be other people within the front office that aren't too thrilled with Kevin Ali. Because if Kevin Ali is Troy Weaver's guy and he's the GM and you're letting him go get his guy, he would have hired him by now. But something's holding that back. And what's holding that back? All we have to do is to speculate now. What's holding that back? And I know Kevin Ali came out with a cryptic Instagram uh, post the other day. Um, I've been out of the loop a little bit. I've been I've been taking a break over these. Like I told you guys earlier, I've been taking a break from all this and being with my wife. But I saw that Kevin Ali posted a cryptic Instagram message, basically saying goodbye to Overtime Elite and that he's getting back to doing what he was supposed to do, which makes it sound like that he's going to be the coach of the Pistons or that he's moving on to something else. Um, with him being interviewed and being, you know, everyone knows that he's the favorite of the GM. That makes a lot of people believe that he's going to be the next head coach of the Detroit Pistons. Now, maybe I've seen some people talk about maybe they get a head coach and then they bring on Kevin Ali as a lead assistant. I would would have no problems with the Pistons bringing on Kevin Ali as an assistant. Actually, I think that would be best for Kevin Ali, for him to actually get to be an assistant coach in the NBA and then try to become an NBA, NBA head coach. I think that would be best for him. However, I think the idea, I also can see the idea of, hiring a head coach and then telling them that the lead assistant behind you is the guy the GM actually wants 
is basically telling your telling the head coach that you're a sitting duck and we're waiting for you to make a mistake so we can get the guy I actually want in there. I could see that happening too. So uh, to be honest, I think this whole situation is just really messy. I don't like it. I just want the Pistons to uh, just let Troy Reaver get his guy. But I don't like how this is all went. I really don't. I think it's been really messy and it's left a lot to, you know, speculate about. It's been a lot of, you know, a lot of reports contradicting each other, I feel like. It's just been... It shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't be this hard, and it shouldn't have been this messy, in my opinion. So, hopefully, when I come back next week, when I come back next week and my wife's all feeling a little bit better, I can start recording again and feel good about it. Hopefully, by then, the Pistons have a head coach and everything's settled down, and we know what's going on. We know the direction of this team. So, hopefully, that, that's the idea for me. I, that's Or, not the idea. That's the hope for me uh, that I have for this team and what's going on. So, I guess I'll leave this with you guys. Has this coaching search concerned you guys how it's been handled the things that are being said about it all the things we just talked about has this concerned you guys with the head coaching search let me know in the comment section down below or over on twitter at cuckoo hill when we come back i want to talk about the big board that i have going in uh for the rest of the week and um, when i come back we'll get right back into diving into some prospects for the number five overall pick with the nba draft just under a month away it's coming up soon and soon man it's crazy um but i want to leave you guys with who i am highest on for the Pistons at five at this time. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and get start getting hyped for the fun that you will have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less, Game Time will credit you with 110% of the difference. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buying tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you don't have to go digging through your email. I know I have like 500 emails that we all just, you know, let stack up. We don't go through them all. Then when you get the tickets, you have to go through all the emails, try to find it. You don't have to worry about that with Game Time. They get sent directly to your phone. Do you have to worry about all that? So download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed with game time so i want to thank you guys again for making locked on pistons your first listen of every single day we are free and available on all your podcast platforms if you haven't ready head to the youtube channel at locked on pistons hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on that's another great way to support the podcast all right so the nba draft is under a month away i it's coming fast the the offseason officially starting is, is getting here real quickly. Um, these playoffs have been super fun, but we're already almost to the finals. We're one game away from the NBA finals. I feel like this time just moves by so fast. It's crazy. Um, but obviously the, the draft lottery has happened, and the Pistons fell to five, and we've been talking about over the last week or so, week and a half or so, about who the Pistons could be looking at at five. And again, before I leave, I'm going to be gone for a week. I want to leave you guys with how I'm feeling at this time about prospects at five for the Detroit Pistons. Um, so this is assuming, again, I, I told you guys this recently on the last podcast, but I'm assuming that the top four 
will have some of these guys gone. All four of these guys will be gone. I don't know who, what team they'll go to, but I think all four of these guys will be gone. Uh, Victor Wembanyama, Scoo Henderson, Bram Miller, Amon Thompson. I think all I think all four of those guys will be gone, and then the Pistons will be at five. So I'm going to continue to operate under that. Um, it's always possible that a guy can drop. So if like Amen were to drop to five, he's the home run hit for me at five. So if you were to drop, take him. Obviously, if Scoot were to drop it to five, take him. Um, I don't think I'd take Bram Miller if he were to drop to five. And it sounds like some stuff I've been reading over the last few days, Bram Miller may be dropping. So maybe he does drop to five and the Pistons are super high on him. They take him. But it sounds like Bram Miller might be dropping. Uh, but who knows? Anyways, some prospects that I'm really high on right now for the Pistons at five. And over this next week while I'm gone, I really would like you guys, everyone who listens to the podcast, all the Pistons fans out there, to check out these guys and then get back to me about how you feel about them and, and maybe some other prospects that you're a little bit higher on. So right now I have a, like a five-guy board for the Pistons at five. Um, and also I guess I should go ahead and say this. If the Pistons wanted to trade back, if they could trade back with like Orlando for f- six and 11, I don't think Orlando would do that. But if they wanted to, um, I'd be interested in doing that. If they wanted to trade back with Utah for a nine and 16, I would do that, get two picks. I, I think I would probably do that. Um, I think some of these guys that I like would be there at nine. Um, so if the Pistons want to trade back and get two first round picks, I think that definitely 100% is in play for them. But nonetheless, let's get let's get to the prospects at five that I'm I'm I'm, I'm high on. Um, so number one on my board, I have two guys tied for number one right now, and that is Asar Thompson and Jarris Walker. Um, Jarris Walker is a high process kind of player. He sees the game very quickly. He reads the game very quickly. Sometimes it feels like he's seeing things on both offense and defense. He sees things before they happen. And those type of players are guys that I love to bet on. If you have a high feel for the bas- for, for the game of basketball, I feel like you'll always figure things out. Do, you, do, do these players always become great? No. But I feel like having great feel for the game is one of the best, one of the more important parts of playing. Um, so he has great feel, great processing, a really nice passer for his position. He's like a 4-3 hybrid, maybe even a 5 if he can, you know, I, I think he can play all of those positions at further along into his NBA career, but I think right now he's a power forward. Um, so he's a great passer, I feel like, at that position. He has the potential to be an all-defensive type of player, a guy who can guard 1-5, through five, um, who can really make some plays on the defensive end. And then if you talk about offensively, great. I think he's going to be a great short roll passer. He's going to be great in that area, making decisions out of there, which you need. And his three-point shooting, his outside shot is coming around. This is a dude who didn't shoot many threes at all in high school and then came to college and was shooting, I believe, let me make sure I have the number right here. Yes. He shot close to 35%, 34.7% on 2.8 attempts a game. Really nice touch. I love some of the the shots I saw from him in the mid-range too. Showcase a lot of touch on those. The hook shots, floaters. Has really nice touch. So that would make you believe that the three-point shot that he had at college will translate to the NBA. The one area that maybe would bring you pause about that is, one, it is still a relatively small sample size, so there could be high variance to it. Um, But two, he's not a very good free throw shooter in college. He was 66%. So... I know free throw percentage is one of the things that people use to predict three-point shooting at the next level, but touch also is that, and obviously overall three-point percentage. And he wasn't a bad three-point shooter last year at Houston, and he also showcased some nice touch. So combine all of that, if he's able to be a good outside shooter, I also believe he has some upside 
as an offensive creator, I understand if you don't believe in that. I think that's one of the swing factors. If you don't believe that he has that offensive creation upside, then I understand why you would have him lower. I think he does. He showcases a little bit of handle and ability to get to his uh, get to a shot in the mid-range. Um, so I think he might have something there along with his processing and passing. I think that there's something there maybe. Um, so I have him towards the top, number one, tied with Asar Thompson, who is the brother of Amen Thompson. And with Asar... The thing, the thing that will, the thing that swings you about Asar Thompson is this: another guy, both the twins, but Asar too, obviously, very high feel for the game. They know how to play the right way. They have a high IQ for the game of basketball, and they they're not going out there. I saw a lot of like like before I started watching the twins, I saw a lot of comments saying like, "Oh, these guys are playing the OTE leagues. They don't play real basketball. They don't know how to play basketball. They're just out there trying to do highlights." And that couldn't be further from the truth. The Thompson twins play the right brand of basketball. They want to play the right kind of basketball. They're going to pass to the open guy. They want to create for others. They they are very, very smart basketball players. And that's one of the things I was very happy to be, to hear like previous notions proven wrong about when I watched them. So Asar, another guy, I believe it has very high feel and knows how to play the game of basketball. He's a fine passer. I don't, he's not the level of passer that his brother is, but I think he is a good passer and can be a really good connector on offense. I believe he has some potential as maybe not as a primary ball handler, but de- definitely as a secondary initiator, a guy who can soak up some pick and roll ball handling uh, um, um, reps, get to the rim and kick out to open guys. Really, really great athlete. A man, his brother, I would say is like a 99th percentile athlete. If you had to ask me what like a sorrow would be, I'd probably say like a 95th, 93rd percentile athlete. Like he's not his brother, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be just as like he's not. He's going to be a freak athlete nonetheless. He just won't be as much of a freak as his brother is. So, really good athlete, plays the right way, has a fine handle that he improved on over this past season with OTE. Over his two seasons at OTE, he was a good finisher on the rim. This past season was worse than his first year. Um, I don't really understand why, but his first year he was much better finishing around the rim. If you look over the two seasons, I believe it was around 60% he was finishing around the rim in the half court. So, fine finisher at the rim over his two years at OTE. Improved his ball handling. He's much, much farther ahead in his jump shot progression and development than his brother is. He shot really well in the OTE playoffs and at the end of the season with OTE, he started to shoot really well on a lot, not just catch and shoot threes, self-created threes too. Was shooting really well on those. So he's farther along his progression. If you believe in his three-point shot, that raises his ceiling even higher. And then we haven't even talked about his defense. Defensively, he's a guy I believe can be a really good point of attack defender. He's a guy I think could be a great, really great, off-ball defender, weak side rim protector. There's a guy who makes plays defensively and that I feel like once he gets to the NBA and, you know, one of the one of the criticisms I've hear of him, I've, a lot of the people I talk to and that do a lot of scouting, they talk highly of his defense potential, how great he could be defensively. One of the things that some people I've heard uh, bring up and they have questions of is how tight his hips can be and that he stands up a little uh, he stands up a little bit too much on defense. I think those things are, thing, is, are are things you can correct in the NBA. Once he gets in the NBA with some NBA training, I, I completely believe he's going to be a great defender in the NBA. So I think he's going to be a two-way guy with legit creation potential. And if you believe in his outside shot, I think that's a player that has has a pretty damn high ceiling. So I got Jarris and Asar at the top of my board for those reasons. I'm really high on those guys. Um, but like I said, the, the 
the negatives with them and the things to be concerned about them. Jarius outside shot and whether you believe in some of his creation offensively. If you don't, I understand it. And then and then for Asar, it's obviously some people are going to question his level of competition. Um, but really, with Asar, my biggest questions with him is obviously his outside shot. And two, figuring out why he was not as good of a finisher this past season at OT as he was his first year. And should, even though over two years, if you take both sample sizes and combine them, he was a good finisher. Should you be concerned about that? That's my, that's, those are my concerns with Asar. Um, but outside, and also his ball handle improved, but I think he could still get a little bit better as well. Um, but I, I think, I, I, w- even with that, I have those two guys at the top for me. And then coming in behind them, this is a guy who soared up the charts for me, Taylor Hendricks. Taylor Hendricks, I, I, I don't think he has as high of a ceiling as some of these other guys, but I think he probably has the highest floor. And where his floor is, I don't think it's like a low floor kind of thing. Like, I think with the archetype that he plays and how he plays, him having a high floor is still a really good player. Like, this is a guy I believe that he's really athletic. He'll be able to catch lobs, finish things around the rim, I believe. Really good outside shooter. He's 6'9", power forward build, would fit perfectly next to... Excuse me, he would fit perfectly next to Jalen Duran. Um, outside shooter, can weak side rim protection, really fine defender on that end too. I think the only thing with Taylor Hendricks is that no, I don't see a lot of people that believe in some of his own creation upside. Like he's a guy you don't expect that's going to get to the next level and he's going to be taking guys off the dribble doing stuff, creating his own shot or whatever. This is a guy who's going to be setting screens, picking popping, setting screens, rolling to the rim, maybe finishing off a dunk, finishing off an alley-oop. Defensively, we'll play the right defense, rotate, we'll protect the rim, we'll stay in front of his guy. Like that's that, he's going to be his, he's going to play his role, but you expect him to play his role really well, and I, I really like that. I think he fits perfectly next to Jalen Duren, so that's why he's ro- risen up the ranks for me. And then obviously you got Cam Whitmore, who is a guy that a lot of Pistons fans seem to be really liking. Uh, I see a lot of people comparing him to Miles Bridges. A super, super athletic dude. Big, strong guy. He drives to the rim, knocks people off of him. It's like bowling balls, like it's like it's bowling balls going up against some pins. He's just knocking people off of him. He should be able to draw a lot of fouls to the next level. Um, he did improve in his outside shot this past season, but it is a slow, slower uh, release, so he does need to speed that up. But he is a guy who has the potential to just be a flat-out scorer at the next level. I question some of his processing and his ability to make the right decisions. I also think his his, his uh, ball handling needs to be improved. And if you're a flat-out scorer and you need the ball in your hands to score, I need you to have a certain level of processing and decision-making to trust you with the ball in your hands. And I have concerns about that, which is why he's a little lower for me. But if the Pistons were to select him, I'd be fine with that too. So those are the guys I'm rocking with right now um, for the Detroit Pistons. Or if there are some other guys that you guys feel like I should be higher on or should be looking at, let me know. Um, and then also let me know how you guys feel about the guys I mentioned. Go check them out if you haven't already. Watch some tape on them and then come back to me. Comment down below. Let me know what you guys think about these guys. Um, again, you can comment that in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Cuckoo Hill. Um, coming back, we'll talk about are the Pistons going to be trading some of their bigs? We're going to talk about that when we come back. But first, you guys got here from some of our lovely sponsors. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, last segment. I will be, Again, I'm just tell you guys again, I'm going to be gone for a week. 
I'm gonna be gone for a minute. Need to be with uh my wife during during her recovery. Excuse me, during her recovery process. And I'll be back. I'll be back in a week. So appreciate you guys supporting the podcast. Appreciate you guys sticking around. And again, yeah, I'll, I'll be back in a week. Um, but during these last few days where I've taken a break and I've been with my wife, I, I, I check Twitter every now and then. I haven't been tweeting on there. I haven't really, really been on there. But when I'm in, when I've been like in the hospital room, she's back with her MRI, or whatever. I'm just like, you know what, whatever. Let's go through Twitter, see what what is going on with the Pistons fans today. What, is there any news or anything? And one of the things I saw the last few days were some Pistons fans freaking out because apparently Marvin Bagley and Isaiah Stewart wiped their Instagram of like Pistons related content, like of them in Pistons jerseys, of them doing Pistons stuff. Like they wiped it off their Instagram. And now Pistons fans are freaking out like, oh God, are they traded? Are they mad? Like what's going on? Is it because they got traded? Like what's going on? So I'm not going to dive into that. I'm not going to dive into just because someone's, they deleted some social media pictures that they're traded. I'm not going to get into that. But I thought that would be a good way to segue into, are the Pistons going to be trading some of their bigs this offseason? And my, I think my answer as of right now is, yeah, you have to trade some of them. Like, I don't see how you can keep all of them on the roster when the guy you're probably going to be drafting at five or if you trade back or whatever, they're probably going to be a forward, a, a guy who plays a lot of minutes at the forward position. So it's going to get even more crowded. And you guys have seen, like, we've talked about this on the podcast a ton. The main targets that we've had for the Pistons this offseason in free agency have been fours. So if the Pistons sign people in free agency, it's likely going to be another wing or another four. So this front court is continuing, is going to continue to get crowded. I guess it's going to continue to happen. And there's guys in this front court right now that have to go. Like, you just have to clear room. You can't have seven, eight front court dudes that can only play the five and four position. It's not going to happen. And at a certain point, you do have to start picking guys as a priority. You do, you can't have six different power forward centers that you're trying to prioritize developing. Like at some point, you have to pick one. You have to pick some of these guys. And it's not going to be Duran that leaves. It's not going to be whoever they draft. So that leaves James Wiseman, Isaiah Stewart, and Marvin Bagley. And I think the most likely one to be traded, obviously, I think all of us would agree, is Marvin Bagley. He's on a $13 million contract for the next two years, fully guaranteed. Um, I think he's probably the least... I think he's probably the lowest on the list when it comes to priority for the Detroit Pistons. Stu is younger. They seem to like Stu more. Um, They just traded for James Wiseman, who's younger, and Troy Weaver has talked nothing but great things about uh, nonstop for the last three years since the 2020 draft when he had him at the top of his, his board. So I don't know if they moved James Wiseman so I think it would have to be Marvin Bagley gets moved this offseason simply because it's not there's not enough room for everybody. So I think Marvin Bagley is likely to be moved simply because of that numbers game. And then if they were to move another person, I mean, Pistons fans would hate it if they moved Stu. I, you guys would lose it if they moved Stu. But I'm looking at it like this, dude. They have Jalen Duran who's a center. I've seen enough from James Wiseman the, this past season. He's not a power forward. He's going to be a center. So there's, I think there's your center spots locked up. Duran, your starter, and James Wiseman is your backup center. At the power forward position, if the Pistons do draft a four and then go out and sign a four, that puts Stu in a, a sticky situation. So I could see Stu getting traded then if that's the route they take. I, it, I mean, it's, I don't think they're going to move Stu, but if they were to move on from Stu, I have to assume that would be the reason why because they think they're going to draft a power forward and then sign another one in free agency. Or maybe they think they're signing a power or uh, drafting a power forward, 
keeping Boyan, and Boyan's going to soak up a lot of minutes at the power forward position. Like, maybe that's what happens. I don't know. I don't think they're going to move Stu. I don't think Pistons fans should be reading into Instagram posts. Like, I I think that's a little bit crazy, everybody. Let's just calm down. Um, but I do believe that some of these, at least one of them will be traded this offseason. If they did trade two, I could see it happening. And this is nowhere near me saying that I think James Wiseman should be prioritized over Stu. That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying, from, if I'm looking at it from the Pistons' perspective, they just traded for James Wiseman. Weaver has done nothing but talk absolutely highly of him. He was number one on his board. He traded a guy he drafted in 2020 that we heard that he was high on for him in Sadiq Bey. James Wiseman needs reps. He knew that he was going to need reps to develop. So that makes me incredibly, I, I incredibly, like I'm almost 99% sure James Wiseman's not going anywhere. After all that, with all that we have, I, I couldn't see Weaver moving on from him. So that leaves Bagley. And if they draft another power forward and they want to sign another one, I mean, that leaves Stu then. I think they're just, I think if I had to pick a situation, I think they're probably going to draft a power forward in this draft, a guy that can play the four. Um, and then Stu's going to be the backup four. Or they draft like a Cam Whitmore, play him at the three, and then sign a starting power forward in free agency. Or maybe they go Cam Whitmore at three, Boyan at four, and then the backup unit will be Livers and Stu at three and four. Maybe that's what they do. Um, so I, I don't think Stu is being traded, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that two of those three guys that we mentioned will be traded this offseason, simply because it's a numbers game. You can't have seven of them. So it is what it is. Let me know what you guys think about that in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. That's all I've got for you guys today. Again, I will be gone for the next week. I will be back next week. Hopefully the Detroit Pistons have a head coach uh, by then, and we can talk about that and what they can bring. Or at least we have some kind of updated real news in the head coaching search instead of just more reports that the Pistons may not like their candidates or something like that. Like, can we get something, like, serious here? So that's the hope there. Um, I, again, I want to say I appreciate all of you guys who have reached out and said such nice things to us and, and said that you guys are praying for us, keeping us in your thoughts and everything. I appreciate all that. Um, again, I'll be back in a week. I'll see you guys then. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Until next time, I'll see you guys next week. Stay safe out there. Enjoy these playoffs. Don't don't freak out too crazy over some Instagram posts, man. Everyone just, let's all relax. And hopefully by the time I come back, you guys haven't burnt everything to the ground. Uh, I'll see you guys later. Go Pistons. Stay safe. Peace out.